It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BOL, back with you. It is a Sunday, March the 19th, 2023. Got a lot to get into on this Sunday edition of the show. Got a lot of hoops. We've got hardball and some softball as well. And, of course, we're going to get into some football with spring drills. Set to get underway on Monday at the Capstone. But first, for the ninth time in program history, Alabama advances to the Sweet 16 of the Men's NCAA Tournament. Ty did it largely with defense on Saturday night, limiting Maryland to fewer than 30 points in each half of a 73-51 win. Alabama has limited opponents to fewer than 65 points in 18 games this season. And as you might have guessed, the Crimson Tide is 18-0 in those contests. So again, if you think limiting this team from three is a surefire path to victory, Think again, because Alabama has shown time and time again this season that it can win in different ways. Maryland on Saturday night, very intent on running UA off the three-point line in the round of 32. With that, Alabama made just six threes in the second round, but it hit the glass to win the battle of the boards by 12 and second chance points by that same margin. Another tough shooting night for Brandon Miller, who, in nursing that groin strain, made 5 of 17 shots from the field. Once again, though, Miller very efficient from the free throw line where he made 7 of 8 attempts. He also had 7 rebounds and that amazing sequence there in the second half where he hustled back on D to get the block of a Maryland shot before knocking down one of his two threes in the game on the other end. That pushed that Alabama lead out to 10 there in the first five or six minutes of the second half. The straw that continues to stir the drink right now, though, for Alabama is unquestionably Javon Quinterly, who scored a team-high 22 points on 9 of 14 shooting, made four of his six attempts from three. It's all amazing to consider what JQ is doing right now on the ball with where he was at this time a year ago with that devastating knee injury against Notre Dame in the first round of the 2022 NCAA tournament. And then there is Charles Bediaco in the post. He's giving Alabama a force at all three levels in this postseason. When you think about Quinterly on the ball and you think about Miller on the wing and his ability to play on the ball as well. And now you have Betty Ako as a legitimate offensive option there in the paint. The seven-footer helped get UM post Julian Reese into some foul trouble early on Saturday night while staying on the floor for 28 minutes. Betty Ako goes for a double-double against Maryland that included five offensive boards. Of course, you would like to get more than the 11 points from the bench that Alabama received against Maryland, and you certainly would like more consistency from Mark Sears on the offensive end. But the thing about all those guys is that they continue to work at a high level defensively. It's important to remember that points you don't give up are just as important as points scored, or something like that anyway. And Noah Clowney is another example of that. The freshman didn't have a big scoring night against Maryland, but he did produce nine rebounds of his own in a game that Maryland really wanted to turn into a slog. Speaking of which, 
Maybe it's because Alabama has dropped games this season against teams like Tennessee and Texas A&M, a couple of opponents that take a similar approach to what we saw from Maryland. Whatever the case, I think for Maryland and others, it's come as a bit of a surprise when UA has proven capable of landing more punches than it takes. Can expect more of the same in the 16 from San Diego State, by the way. A team that ranks fifth nationally in Ken Palm's adjusted defensive rankings. Alabama checks in third in that department. The Aztecs are going to want more of a Beatles game than a Rolling Stones game. You know, more in the 60s than the 70s. All right, maybe that wasn't such a good analogy. Anyway, opponents are making just six threes per game against SDSU this season. So expect more emphasis on getting both feet into the paint and making free throws. Some more of I-65 also on tap for the Crimson Tide. That stretch of road has been pretty good to Alabama this season. I guess you could start with the non-con win over South Alabama back in November. Had a loss off I-65 to Gonzaga in Birmingham in December, but then there were road wins in Nashville over Vandy. You also had three more wins in BNA and the SEC tournament. So, yeah. The stretch to Houston might actually start and end, for Alabama anyway, off I-65 going from Mobile and now extending up to Louisville. As for how history will treat this team, of course, the tragic events involving the death of Jamia Harris back in January will always be associated with it. Although I think the last few days have reaffirmed the need to allow things to play out in that regard. On the court, the NCAA tournament carries a ton of weight. No one's going to argue that point. Still, there's a lot to be said about 31 wins and regular season and conference tournament titles. And this team already has two rounds of the NCAA tournament under its belt. So if you're already there with it being the best team in program history, I don't really have a problem with that. After all, the 2003-2004 team, as much as it was a lot of fun to watch, while advancing to UA's first Elite Eight appearance, was an 8-8 eight and eight team in SEC play. Again, I loved Ernest Shelton, Chuck Davis, Antoine Petway, and all those guys, but I'm guessing even Pet, with his front row seat for this season, would tell you that that team wasn't this team. And that's before all the teams from the mid-70s through the mid-90s were taken into account. Sticking with hoops, tough exit from the women's NCAA tournament for Christy Curry's team, Alabama led... Baylor 22-4 after the first quarter on Saturday afternoon up in stores, but turnovers and a Baylor team that got hot from three spelled doom for the Crimson Tide in the opening round. Big night for Brittany Davis, who poured in 33 points on just 16 shots from the field. Davis had seven threes in her final game at Alabama. 19 Alabama turnovers, though, led to a 14-point advantage for Baylor in points off turnovers, and the Bears outscored UA by 22 points over their final three quarters. Crimson Tide finished the season on a five-game losing streak and faced now with replacing several key pieces for 2023-2024. Very good recruiting class on the way for Curry, though, so expectations will be for Alabama to maintain relevance where the NCAA tournament is concerned. Also have Alabama baseball and softball in SEC action this weekend. Weird baseball series in Gainesville, right? 
Brad Bohannon's club started that one on Thursday and wrapped it up on Friday night. You had the weather-induced doubleheader on Friday. That was the reason for contraction of the three games. The Crimson Tide salvages game three at UF to avoid the sweep. You never like losing a series, even a road series in the SEC, especially when you had a chance to get the series even there in game two. But when you're able to take game three, it just feels a lot better on that trip home. And how about that close in the series finale for UA reliever Cade Woods? Guys blowing 96 mile per hour gas and dropping a mean hammer. Wood struck out each of the final, or actually each of the seven Florida batters he faced in Gainesville. So at 17 and 4 and 1 and 2 in the SEC, Alabama hosts UAB on Tuesday at the Joe before Kentucky heads to Tuscaloosa for three games next weekend. Tough, tough league, man, the SEC. Do you see some of the series from over the weekend? LSU, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Vandy, all gas, no breaks this time of year in SEC baseball. Meanwhile, Alabama softball takes the opening game of its three-game series with visiting Arkansas on Saturday. Montana Fouts, complete game two-hitter with eight strikeouts and zero walks in a 2-0 shutout of the Razorbacks, clean performance defensively from UA behind Fouts, and just enough offense to win the SEC opener. You got Game 2 on Sunday at 5 p.m. at the Rhodes House. Series will wrap with a single game Monday at 6. Both of the final two games of this series will air on the SEC Network. Might be a situation where Fouts is needed to close and start the next two games, or hell, maybe just start her both games. You got the single game format these days instead of double headers, so not all that unrealistic of a proposition. And I know there's that angle too that it isn't just about workload that you want to try to keep to a reasonable total for even someone like Fouts, but. It's also about overexposing pitchers, giving opponents too much of a look at a certain pitcher. But at this point, with as long as Fouts is pitched at Alabama, I don't think there's any secrets when it comes to Montana in the circle. And uh, any secrets that the Razorbacks might have had on Saturday didn't seem to help as she was exceptionally dominant in the win. All right, spring football getting underway Monday at Alabama. Didn't have the Friday before spring break practice this year, so a little bit different. Pretty in-depth preview with Charlie Potter we did here on the podcast last week, so or earlier in the week. So if you missed that, it's still available to you there in the archives for the Bama Online Podcast. Nick Saban will address the media post-practice Monday evening. Think Saban will be asked about the quarterbacks? Yeah, but even with all the quarterback and newcomer buzz, because you're going to have the freshmen, you're going to have the transfers, both JUCO and four-year. Don't forget about some second-year players like offensive tackle Elijah Pritchett, defensive lineman Jaheim Otis, defensive back Earl Little Jr., running back Jam Miller, the covey of second-year tight ends, inside linebackers Jihad Campbell, Sean Murphy, with Jeremiah Alexander on the outside, wide receivers, Isaiah Bond, Kobe Prentice, and of course, Ty Simpson in that battle with Jalen Milrow 
at quarterback, you can really pick an area of this Alabama football team, and there's a good chance a second-year guy will be right there in the mix. The offensive tackle position, we started with Pritchett in this conversation. How does that work out? The anticipation of J.C. Latham moving to the left side. You're going to have a vacancy still there at one of those tackle position and of course you got the newcomers that you factor into all this like a Caden Proctor at both tackle and guard but the defensive line really needs Jaheim Otis to become more of that Deron Payne Quinnen Williams type of dude there that war daddy in the middle of that defensive line you notice right you see guys like Deron Payne getting paid guys like Dalvin Tomlinson getting paid Alabama needs another one of those dudes that in four or five years or a couple of years even, we're talking about getting high-end money in the National Football League. The secondary, you've got some positions up for grabs, both at corner, safety. You could look at some of the sub-package roles as well. The versatility of Earl Little Jr. might help out in that regard. Yes, you do have... Caleb Downs coming in at the safety position. There's expectations for some of the newcomers there, uh, both at safety and corner. Running back Jam Miller is interesting to consider because another newcomer is expected to impact that room in Justice Haynes, but we saw some really good things from Miller in 2022. All of those tight ends from a year ago, Amari Nyblack and others, need one or more of those guys to step forward to Help out a Robbie Oots. And with C.J. Dupree coming in from Maryland, he's expected to be at the top of that rotation as well. Defensively, Deontay Lawson at inside linebacker, but a lot of competition for that other spot where you also have Trez Marshall coming in as a transfer from Georgia. You've got a junior college transfer and Justin Jefferson flipping back around to offense at wide receiver. Malik Benson comes in from the junior college ranks. You've got Bond and Prentice among those returning receivers to join Jermaine Burton and Ja'Cory Brooks. But again, you really need more than ever these second-year guys and the newcomers as well be right there in the mix because the transfer portal is taking its cut of the roster on an annual basis now. So that really needs to be the case anyway. And as is always the case, we're going to have full coverage for you, giving you as much coverage as we possibly can at BamaOnline.com. We thank you once again for tuning into the pod here on the Bama Online Podcast. We encourage you to stay locked in to BOL for more updates, the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the globe. That's where you're going to want to post up with us. So much coming up just in the next week between the Sweet 16, between spring football, between the other sports going on right now at UA. A lot of chatter there on the roundtable at BamaOnline.com. If you haven't subscribed to the Bama Online Podcast, we hope you'll do so. Wherever you consume pods, you're going to find us. And if you'd leave us a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate that as well. Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us right here on the Bama Online Podcast. And until next time, so long, everybody. Streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.